Welcome to Geographers Without Borders, brought to you by Women in GIS. This interview-style podcast brings you guests from around the world to share about their niche in geography. From GIS to urban planning to marine biology, scientists and professionals around the world use the science of geography to solve problems critical to humanity every day. Stick around for the end of the episode to find out more about getting involved in Women in GIS. And now your host, Shannon Fox Day. Welcome back to Geographers Without Borders from Women in GIS. I'm your host, Shannon Fox Day. On today's episode, I speak with Naz Ali, Senior GIS Manager for CBRE, about how the commercial sector uses massive mobile data to make and support business decisions in real estate. Listen to hear about how they get your data, what they do with it, and how it's sometimes a good thing when your phone is listening. Join us now. Hello, Naz. Thank you so much for coming on the Geographers Without Borders podcast today. Thanks for the introduction, Shannon, and thanks for having me. So when did you first begin using GIS and what brought you to the commercial sector? Well, my GIS career began back in 99, more so with the cartographic side of things to begin with. Then I stepped into the world of digital cartography, working with vector graphic objects. It happily involved data modeling, digital elevation models, and data cleanup in CAD formats. The first five years were more or so an introduction to different aspects of GIS processes and tools. The next step in my career led me to commercial real estate, and this is where my actual GIS journey began. I started out as a GIS technician in a local office working on mapping requests. It was more dots in the map type request, some thematic mapping, and this is when I started to see myself progressing in my career and with my GIS knowledge and capabilities, I started showcasing analysis work and it was getting well received by both users and management, which certainly gave me the opportunity to showcase these capabilities further and to build a GIS location intelligence platform for our company. And today I'm very proud of where we are with location intelligence platform, and this is how I envisioned it. So is this where you thought your GIS journey would take you? Yes, definitely. So Naz, what is massive mobile data and how do you use it? Massive mobile data is sourced from a wide range of mobile apps, which make it easier to measure how people move around the world. By analyzing sophisticated mobile data, we are changing the way landlords and retailers consider their market strategy. Massive mobile data can be used for trade area analysis, site selection, demographic insights, consumer preferences, market optimization, and so much more. And uh, this measurement allows us to help our stakeholders in better decision-making and a better understanding of who their customers are. Amazing. That must be so much different data that you're getting from different sources. Are you able to, and do you ever use environmental data in conjunction with massive mobile data? We haven't had a chance to use that yet, but that would be definitely something I'd be so interested in. What kind of data do you usually get from 
mobile data and how is this captured? The data we subscribe to is anonymized and each device has its own randomized ID composed of letters and numbers. We receive various reports in forms of TSV, tab-separated value files, and GIS formats. Some of the key ones that we use daily are PIN reports, which show how visitors are moving within the geofence. There is common evening and common daytime locations, which are defined as resting locations of a device. Common daytime location or work location is defined when your mobile device's resting location is typically between 8 a.m. and 6 6 p.m. a few times a week on weekdays, um, common evening location or your home location is then defined when the resting location is between 6 p.m. and 8 a.m. a few days of the week. Likewise, you can further define weekend or early morning or afternoon locations as well. Then there is the pathing data, which is also sometimes um, or, or something that we use daily. And this provides information on where else they visit before and after visiting the site of interest. I know it's a lot of information and I hope it is not very confusing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how do we capture them? Um, it's captured through our data providers, second party SDKs, uh, the data providers own published apps, which have the ability to send the data from the phone to their processing facilities. And they also partner with mobile application providers to collect data from advertising campaigns. And you said it's all anonymized, right? So it's not going to be like Shannon went to the store at 5 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon, right? It would be more this person went to the store. Is that right? That is so true. Yes, I know. It sounds like a lot of information is being collected, but we don't receive anything associated with any personal data. It's all completely randomized and uh, anonymized by the time we get it. So when you first started using consumer data and applying it to real estate, what kind of use cases were you using at first? My first case study was working on a story map journal of craft brewery where we showcased how a craft brewery fits into a traditional retail space. And this was a way of engaging our stakeholders in telling a story that provides insights to properties of interest. It also provided us insights on the seasonality, for example, the different seasons that the customers would visit that location. Oh, very cool. There's that weather data that I mentioned earlier. Applying that to locations too definitely makes a difference, I'm sure, especially if you have, say, an outdoor brewery or a patio at your restaurant or something of the sort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That uh, definitely fits uh, well in that category. So once you have all of this data, so much data, how do you categorize it? We use a data transformation tool that helps us in manipulating the data. We look for patterns and calculate them into groupings and percentages, and then it helps us in analyzing and outputting that data. Uh, as an example, we would geofence a retailer and see where their visitors are coming from. We then take the data and process that through our data transformation tool and put that in a chart for visualization. We can also compare visits over a period of time. Um, 
whether it's uh, over weeks or over different uh, months of the year, we can definitely uh, compare those visits. When you're looking at the data and you start to see patterns or do you manually identify patterns in the data or does your tool also do that? The tool has been set up uh, to do all that. That definitely was a lot of work. And we call our tool, the model we built, it's like, you know, we call it our black box because there's just so much that goes in there, the processing and everything. It really spits out uh, a great um, spreadsheet that we can take and visualize that. I love the black box and the data magic that happens in there and then spits it out to you and you can say, oh, okay, great. I'll run with this then. It's so much fun. I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever, when you're running it, do you ever have a situation where, where it crashes and you've got to investigate what happens and kind of. Yeah, it happened a lot in the beginning. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's good. That's how you learn, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it really makes it curious about, you know, what more can you do with it? Right, exactly. When you first started working with it, did you find lots of opportunities where you were able to say, oh, we can do this or we can do that? I think we were very overwhelmed with what we could do. And then we had to kind of like streamline a few things in terms of where we can start and where we can go with it. Understandable. It's a lot of capability. Definitely. So what is something you wish people knew about massive mobile data and the data footprints that we are all leaving behind with our cell phones? What I think is that even a simple cell phone user is unknowingly contributing to the Internet of Things. Real world consumer behavior can be valuable and marketable in any business cases. We've done some correlation studies between brands and retail type. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, it's just not something that uh, the users are aware that uh, behind all that uh, footprint that we can use to uh, analyze them and, and see the trends. I think one thing we encounter a lot is people saying data privacy and being concerned about what their data is used for, although we definitely reap the benefits of a lot of these things. You know, when a store is close to our neighborhood or our favorite brewery is right down the street type of deal, there's reasons why those businesses pick those places. That's very true. Right. So, you know, we can, I'm all for privacy and I'm all for data uh, discipline. But, you know, we definitely benefit from these types of things, especially when it comes to real estate use and planning and and things like that. And I'm sure other things like project planning and even capital investment could be derived from mobile data. And when you have people, you know, who uses the park at what time or who, how many people are there and this and that, when are our high times and low times, all of that sort of thing, I think we can definitely benefit from it. Definitely. And our consumers can too. I mean, once we are able to find the trends and and provide a better insight on the market, definitely everyone can benefit from that. It's a good thing when the phones are listening in this case, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sometimes it's good. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you say that GIS is a career or a tool? This 
Here, I, I feel like it's both a career as a provider for some and a tool as an end user for many. I find one leads into another. Those GIS tools are used by data scientists, research analysts, and marketing professionals, for example. And uh, if we look at Cool Maps, um, it's used by the public to get information about the pandemic. It maps COVID-19 cases and deaths across the globe using the data from Johns Hopkins University. And it's uh, it's used, it has been used so widely. So I, I just feel like it could be both. Great point. I think with the pandemic, as it accelerated so many things in our lives, it has really accelerated GIS and almost brought it out into more of a public view where it seems like more, so many more people are interacting with maps and things like that because we would see so many COVID maps coming out and hotspots and things like that visualized. And so I think that really brought more people into the space, which I think is terrific, although terrible circumstance, but. Yeah. And also I think that GIS is so widely used now that people actually have a better understanding of what what GIS can do. It's used in almost every field that you can imagine now. And, uh, and the, and I feel like a lot of people are more educated now about GIS. I remember, you know, years ago, you think of, oh, Google Maps or just as another black box in your phone. And how does that work? And many people would just say, yeah, it's just kind of there. And now you've got people correcting addresses and making corrections to Apple Maps and Google Maps. OpenStreetMap is a huge thing, of course. And there's so many other avenues for people to use, but also contribute. And I think that increases the involvement and also, as you say, increases exponentially the amount of knowledge that just the general person has about GIS and maps and how they can be used. Absolutely. It's no longer you can just say, oh, what do you do? I, I make maps. It's not that anymore. It's way more than than that. I still say that, though. <laughs> it's so hard to explain, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I still say it. I Well, I start usually with GIS and then just say maps and they go, yay. So um, out of your tools, in your toolkit, what would you say is your favorite, GIS or otherwise? GIS, I would say I love working with the data analysis and visualization tools using the generating grids and hexagons. That's one of my favorites. I find that aggregating the data in the hexagons show really well. And then uh, the suitability analysis tool is also my favorite for creating a suitability model based on um, those several variables and to calculate a suitability score. I find that it helps with decision-making and uh, identifying suitable locations for new projects. I just love those tools. Nice. What do you think is the next big thing in GIS? Oh my, um, an immersive 3D GIS experience. <laughs> The realistic models of buildings, the reality of creating a virtual walk through the building, walking to different floors, looking at view cones from different directions, creating spatially enabled twin cities with our, which are invaluable for 3D GIS analysis. Digital twin cities can be used uh, to answer these questions about GIS problems. I love digital twins. They're so cool. And to see 
almost a real digital twin in action where it's mimicking what's happening in real life at the same time of day and things like that is the coolest. I love it. There's so much data behind that, but I think it's just the coolest thing ever. Absolutely. What do you think is the next big thing in tech overall? Hmm. Machine learning, AI. I mean, we're already seeing this trend taking over with so much data being collected Machine learning is going to be an important tool in GIS analysis. We'll be able to process huge amounts of data. Machine learning can also help with our daily massive mobile data processing and help write those GIS processes that took us so long to to write and, and the struggles that we've had before. Absolutely. I was just using ChatGPT this morning to compare and contrast some different Esri products and things. And it was really interesting. And I probably, you know, I wouldn't take it as the end all decision maker, but it was very nice to look at, to ask it a question and have it give me a really concise rundown and a list of the differences between the two products. So I definitely agree that, yeah, some AI is going to be helping. And I know that my analysts on my team would love to see some good machine learning come about for tree and uh, flora categorization and that sort of thing, because they would like to stop doing that manually. (laughs) It is amazing, isn't it? If you could explore any place on earth, where would you pick? So I already had the opportunity to visit a place that I always wanted. In 2018, I was able to explore Lofoten Islands in Norway, and it is something that is geographically very, very interesting for me. It's located above the Arctic Circle, and apparently their craggy mountains are formed by rocks that are older than northern Europe. There are Arctic fjords and stretches of white sandy beaches with turquoise water. And surprisingly, the climate there is pretty mild in the winter, considering their location. And also experiencing the northern lights was a dream come true for me. And I have to say that my exploring does not stop there. I have Laplands in my bucket list for some of the similar reasons. Very cool. It's funny that you say that I had just seen something somewhere about Svalbard, which is is way up there too in that area. And it just, it looks so cool out there. And Norway is so incredibly beautiful. Definitely on my list too. It's a very magical place, I'm going to say. Oh, that just makes it, I really need to get out there. Yeah, I hope you can one day. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully I will. Well, Nas, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us today and sharing your experiences with massive mobile data. And we wish you good luck in everything that you do. Thank you so much, Shannon, for having me. This was so amazing and so wonderful to chat with you. Thank you. We'd like to thank our sponsors for their continued support. A special thanks to our platinum sponsors, the Wyoming Geographic Information Science Center at the University of Wyoming and Esri. Women in GIS, or WEGIS, 
is an international, professional, and social advocacy group for those who identify as women and their allies. The aim of Weegis is to serve as a safe place in the geospatial industry to work towards overcoming common barriers for those who identify as women might face. We foster relationships and resource sharing among members and institutions. Weegis is a consortium of advocates from academia, government, and private industry designed to advance the presence of women in GIS. Want to learn more about getting involved in women in GIS? Visit our website at womenngis.org or you can email us at admin at womenngis.org. The links are below in the show notes.